welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker, and on this episode, I'm going to be talking to Jason Kirk, director of Kirk & Kirk, the eyewear brand, and I'm going to read you the bio, like I always do, off the LinkedIn profile. <laughs> so, Kirk & Kirk, 100 years of innovation. In 2013, Jason and Karen Kirk launched an eyewear line for individuals, a line that is boldly expressive and proudly inclusive with shapes that break boundaries. Kirk and Kirk frames are authentic, inspirational and confident, just like the people who wear them. I could go on, there's another four or five paragraphs, but that would ruin the interview. I want to save some of the juice for the interview. We'll get to that shortly. In the meantime, make sure you're checking out menswearstyle.co.uk. That's where we'll put all of the show notes, everything that we mention in the interview we'll put over there. Along with other articles, fashion, lifestyle, competitions. If you also type in menswear style into your social, into your smartphone there, we'll come up and we'll notify you when we get some new articles live. If you want to be a part of the show, if you want to tell us about your journey, how you got your brand off the ground, <laughs> brand off the ground, you can email us at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. Okay? Yeah. Here is that interview with Jason Kirk, director of Kirk & Kirk. It's my great pleasure to introduce Jason Kirk, director of Kirk & Kirk. How are we doing today, Jason? Very well indeed. How are you, Peter? Oh, I'm fantastic. The rain has just set in, so out of the summer we come into the, well, I guess the stereotypical British weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. You can't complain. I know. So... Uh, Jason, please give us a thumbnail sketch of you and uh, the brand Kirk & Kirk. Sure. Um, well, uh, Karen Kirk and I have been making glasses for oof, nearly 30 years now. Um, my, but my family's been in optics for 100 years. So Sydney and Percy Kirk started off a company called Kirk Brothers back in 1919. And they had a really interesting approach. They felt that if they could push the whole industry forward, the whole optical industry forward, it would benefit their company. So they started to set up factories in the UK and they would help other people set up factories. And I guess like if you looked at that today, comparatively, you would say they were helping their competitors, but they just didn't view it like that. They thought push the industry forward and they innovated and changed and developed the whole industry. Um, and then the next generation, my dad and all his brothers and cousins were all opticians and I was not interested at all. Uh, and then I, I was in my mid twenties and I, was helping my dad clear out his practice one day and I found all these boxes of beautiful old frames in the 1950s and 60s and they were magnificent I asked my dad what they were and they said oh it's uh it's stuff that your granddad made back in the 50s and he we, you know we never sold them I've still got them if you like them you can keep them and it was it was great I was working for L'Oreal took a week off work and I took these beautiful glasses out in an old with an old Hitachi case I went banging on the doors of all these fashion stores and I had no idea who they were um, and it was people like Helen Story and Nick Coleman, all like great people of the day. Yeah. And I'd go and bang on the door and I'd say, oh, is Helen in, please? <laughs> and they'd go, yeah, sure. And I'd <laughs> go downstairs on Newburg Street and go and hang out with Helen Story and show her these glasses, no idea who she was, how important she was to fashion. Mm. Um, and, and, and these people really loved them. So I spent a week doing this and I came back and the following Monday I went into work thinking, Oh God, I really, I really want to get back to the glasses and do that. And L'Oreal made me redundant. Ah, okay. Perfect timing. Great coincidence. And I used that money to make some more glasses. Um, Karen, who was my girlfriend at the time and my wife, um, but was my partner in, in business at that point, was a graphic designer. So 
the marriage of, of her graphic skills and design skills and my optical experience meant that we could start doing something really special in optics. And we decided right from the very beginning that we would take my grandfather's principles. And the idea was that if we wanted to bring anything into the industry, it would be bring something new. Mm. So everything that we've done over the last 20 something years um, has been trying to innovate, trying to drive people forward, not just opticians, but the way that consumers feel and think about eyewear. Dialing back 30 years when you're just starting out making the glasses for yourselves, are you changing the baton there? Are you taking the baton from, was it your grandfather or your father that was also making glasses? No, um, my dad was an optician. So my dad had uh, a country practice in a place called Chapel St. Giles where I grew up. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was very much a country medical optical practice. So it wasn't fashionable and it, there weren't any brands involved. It was, And in fact, it was before brands were really big uh, in optics. Um, so... When I discovered all these beautiful glasses, the first thing I did was the the market research. So I was going out looking at opticians and fashion stores in London and trying to find what was going on. And nobody had anything interesting. I mean, it was just really old-fashioned and really conservative and really dull. So I thought, well, okay, there's room for this. There's room for something special. Now, luckily, I didn't go and look further afield. You know, had I gone to Paris or had I gone to America, I might have found some more interesting and exciting stores. Um, but at that point, it was really bringing something very, very new to to a quiet and conservative marketplace. I mean, there were people around at that time doing interesting things across the world. So if you look at companies like LAI Works, who are still very much an independent um, store and design company, um, they were around at that time and they were changing the American perception of what eyewear was all about. And there was Alan Mickley. Uh, who was working from Paris, who was, was very important in driving optical design forward. Um, but there wasn't that much going on. It was really the beginning of, of exciting eyewear. Right. You know what, Jason, when I look on the website, I can't help but smile. It's like just going through all of the history, the Kirk family on holiday in Margate, for example, a nice <laughs> lineup, and then the kids kind of following in tow. And then there's a picture of you and your wife underneath. Also, you use a very special type of material that distinguishes you from other eye brands. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the materials that make up the eyewear, please? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, actually, I'll, I'll relate those two parts of, of the story because my granddad used to, to experiment with materials. So he would use something called calcite or it's also called galite, which is like a milk powder to make frames. Um, and, and they were really experimental and innovative. And when we found all these original glasses, there were lots of frames that were made of, to use a general word, made of plastic. And we couldn't work out how they were made because if you use what, it, what is the standard material for plastic glasses, which is acetate, the material, the, the frames wouldn't have held their shape. So we were exploring and we were trying to work out what materials they were using. And we couldn't actually find the solution. We couldn't find what it was. So then we started to say, well, how can we make this type of frame, uh, and this this kind of um, um, a- approach to eyewear? What kind of materials are around that we can use now? And we started to explore acrylic. Now, acrylic is a very, again, quite a general word. And you find acrylic tables and acrylic shelves and acrylic mm. picture frames. It's not exactly the same as that. So what happened was we went to an acrylic factory and we started to experiment making different grades of acrylic and different chemical formulae. And we managed to find something which was 
flexible enough to be manipulated into eyewear, into eyeglass frames, um, but also that was strong enough to to hold a pair of glasses and to wear comfortably. So we're actually the only people in the world who use, who hand make frames out of acrylic. Mm-hmm. And apart from being able to make special shapes and, um, and special colors, when you wear an acrylic frame, uh, it is incredibly light. So when you look at the website, you see these quite chunky frames, they're really substantial and voluminous. Yeah. And the counterplay with that is that they are a fraction of the weight of a much smaller plastic frame that you would normally see or try on. So they're really, really comfortable to wear. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I nice. mean, you also, you also get this incredible palette of colors that you don't see anywhere else. That's really important. Because you can't do that with acetate. No, it's just like any part of the fashion industry, the materials that we use generally in our industry are dictated to by or are dictated by a number of large manufacturers. So, you know, the, the fabrics that are available to you are from the usual suspects. Well, in optics, that's more so than in, in fabrics in, if you're making a suit, for example. Right. So there are a few really large manufacturers who supply pretty much all of the uh, frame makers in the world. So for us to be able to go to someone completely independent, produce our own colors, produce our own thicknesses, produce our own patterns, it allows us to have a unique collection. And that's great for the retailers, but it's, it's also great for the consumer because you can wear something that really reflects your personality. And that's so important. You know, I wear for so long was considered a medical necessity, something that, like, you know, if you had to wear glasses, well, you know, you wear something discreet. Mm. But why would you do that? I mean, you don't, you don't talk about wearing a, a pacemaker. You talk about having a pacemaker. You don't talk about wearing a know, colostomy bag. Right. You talk about having a colostomy bag. It's not, glasses are, you wear glasses. They're fashionable. Um, and if you can find something that you enjoy wearing and that reflects your personality and adds something to your personality, then there's pleasure in that. It's not just performing a function. Well, yeah, I mean, even the late Patrick Swayze, he didn't need to wear glasses, but he wanted to wear glasses. <laughs> you see him doing any kind of speech on stage or the or the Oscars, he rocks up. He just had to wear glasses because, A, he wanted to look like he was smarter and beyond his years, but he also wanted to have something else. It was like the crazy 80s fashion that was going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you don't, you don't wake up in the same mood every day. You don't wear the same clothes every day. Mm. And if you... If you if you're moving in a different environment, then your glasses, as much as your shoes or your shirt or your, whatever else you're wearing, um, should reflect how you feel and what you want to portray about yourself. How often do you get complimented on your glasses, Jason? <laughs> um, if I don't get complimented a few times a day by a stranger, I'm kind of insulted. <laughs> well, especially, I imagine if you and your wife are going to parties, I mean, the, the two of you must, you must get flagged up. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's always, it's always kind of like oh there's the glasses couple but um yeah to an extent but but also you you don't have to and i don't always wear glasses that stand out particularly you know it depends they obviously i've got a, a range of glasses that i'll choose from every morning and i might change my glasses during the day as well mm. and sometimes it'll be bright orange right now i'm wearing a, a a violet pair which is a we call it violets it's a kind of a combination of our pink and blue together uh, and it's a really exciting, interesting frame. But actually, the trick to all this is is just wearing it naturally. I mean, I'm not, mm. I'm never conscious that I'm wearing a bright orange frame, for example. It's just, it's just part of what I'm wearing on that day. 
and that relaxation that that um comfort with what you're wearing is so important yeah and and so how has the brand grown with say e-commerce and the digital world that we live in now so talk us through a couple of the steps when you had to build the website and and become a an online presence as well yeah it's fascinating isn't it and buying eyewear which does you know there's there's no negating the medical function of eyewear it's a very very important part of what you do but the transaction of buying a pair of glasses is divided into two parts and it's the lenses and it's the frames and there is no substitute and we've got to be really really clear about this there's no substitute for getting a high quality proper independent eye test from an optician um because there's so much health benefit in doing that and opticians can see so much about your body generally. Mm. It's really important to do it. Um, at the same time, you want people, people are really savvy. Now, why wouldn't you shop for eyewear in exactly the same way that you shop for any item of clothing? You mm. Get online, do your research, find out where you want to go, what you want to wear, who you want to be. Um, so, but there was always resistance in our industry. So, we have traditionally been a very much a wholesale brand that will sell to opticians, we'll sell our sunglasses to department stores and fashion boutiques, but most of our business is selling through opticians. And opticians were very, very wary and protective of their business. So they were um, very reticent about brands like us going online and talking directly with the consumer. Well, that's really changed. It's really changed over the last few years because They've recognized that consumers behave in that way and, and people want to find things. So for us, we've had to, uh, we've always pushed towards being online. We've always had an online presence, but not necessarily sold online. Mm. Um, and the thing that I've found that's the most important and productive part of what we do is actually offering a dialogue to people. So it's not just about having a website where people can go on and make a purchase they can return it if they don't like it. Sure, all that stuff's straightforward. But actually getting proper styling advice on, on eyewear, what eyewear works, what's going to work with your prescription, um, what are the practicalities of, of, of buying eyewear online. So we've ended up having brilliant dialogue with people and, and being a source of information because eyewear has been a kind of a, a almost like a closed world for people that, that it's kind of it's a little bit mysterious and a little bit protected. So yeah. that interaction direct with the consumer is really, really important. And you know what? It's, it's a fun experience. It's a really good, a really liberating experience to go from either not wearing glasses because you don't want to or wearing contact lenses because you can't find anything that you really like or wearing a really ordinary, boring, functional pair of glasses to wearing something that you feel amazing in and that people stop you in the street and go, I love your glasses. And that's that whole sensation is really difficult to i mean you know i'm describing it but you only get it once you start wearing them and there's something about our glasses that that means that you feel this there's a way that you feel in them but there's also a way that people interact with you and you know needs other other wearers apart from me to tell you and, and your audience what that is but it's just an amazing feeling these glasses, and I encourage everyone to check out kirkandkirk.com. We'll have everything over on the show notes on menswear style as well. But the glasses, I almost feel like there's some kind of tactile presence to them that you really just want to touch them and feel them and then expect that lightweight feel, the kind of juxtapositions to 
seeing something quite chunky, but then picking it up and going, oh, wow, this actually weighs nothing. Just the overall look of them. They look fantastic. Do you find that there's a lot of people that will shop with you um, that don't necessarily need glasses? Um, yes. I mean, it's not it's not a major part of our business, but people, I think the difference is that people get excited about eyewear for the first time. Mm. So, I mean, yes, we'll get people who who want to wear glasses for just for a fashion statement, but it's not a big part of what we do. Um, but I think people like to know that they can wear glasses that they would enjoy wearing as opposed to if I have to wear glasses, then what am I going to do? I think that's, that's an important part. And you mentioned that you've got quite a few glasses. How do you look after these glasses? I know it sounds a very <laughs> stupid question, but I so imagine for someone like me that might have say a, a watch drawer, that you'd pull out and you can have a selection of watches. Is it kind of similar for glasses? Um, Elton John has a glasses room. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. that <laughs> is, well, but that. it makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, you, you look after them carefully. It's an investment like a watch. It's it's, it's a lot of money. And if you lenses can be expensive, frames can be expensive. Um, so you look after them carefully and keep them in a case and keep them in a drawer and everything else. But, you know, I know people that have got um, – trays like protective trays with a closed lid on the top that they open up every morning to look at their half a dozen frames to make their decision about what they're going to do and if you've got something that's cost you upwards of 500 pounds and you look after it um jason i'm i'm curious to ask you we're recording this just at the start of june we've had a real pandemic and everybody knows the kind of state of the world that we're living in right now how has this affected you and supply chains and and the way people shop with you yeah it's a really good question and i think it's what's happened is it's brought forward changes that were inevitable for our industry so um for us it's made us uh reflect on what we do our, our supply chain we, we buy our material, we make our material in Italy, we send the material to one factory in France and our frames are handmade in France in one factory from start to finish. So that gives us great quality control. Uh, it also, at the beginning of June, means that our factory is back up and running uh, and we're already receiving deliveries again, which is fantastic. And it's the simplest of things, you know, talking to our clients about the fact that we can actually, we're here, we're open, we have stock, we are delivering, um, so many people are, are challenged just on those simple, basic tenets. So that's been great for us. Uh, in terms of how people shop, I think we've, we've just seen so much more online shopping. Right. Um, you know, the places where people would normally go for glasses are largely closed or just open for emergency. And so people are coming to us and they're buying, but they're also asking questions. As I was saying before, they're trying to find out. Uh, you know, they're trying. They're, they're digging into this whole process of of how you buy eyewear and how you buy lenses, and a lot of the mysteries being scraped away, which is fantastic. That's what it should be. Mm. Um, we do a, a, a thing on our website. It's a lot of fun called Personal Shopper, and we just invite people to submit a photograph or two and write a few things about who they are, where they go, where they hang out. And one of our designers will come back and give them some advice or some choices about about eyewear that they might wear and it's 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 really fun it's a really interesting experience and sometimes people think you know not sure i would have gone down that route but let's give it a go and it's it's really uh illuminating to see how people respond to that 
So yeah, people are buying really differently. It's not something that people would have done before. Would you would you have thought of going to an eyewear stylist and asking for advice? I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I guess it's just changed a lot of landscapes for a lot of companies. But for someone that's going to be online looking for eyewear, seeing how they can engage with that product and, you know, like you say, it's going to be an investment for them. So seeing what kind of decisions they have to go through in their head and that process before they, you know, before they buy through you is, it's interesting. And having, uh, so how big's a company, Jason? Um, we, we would have turned over if it wasn't, for, <laughs> if it wasn't for the virus, we probably would have turned over about 2 million this year. Wow. I mean, oh. so I wasn't going to be crass enough, money, but uh, in terms of personnel. I was, <laughs> no, I don't mind. I mean, it's fine. It gives yeah. me, you know, it's a small company. That's a great number. Six people. We have a, a UK office and a US office. Um, and then we have a team of, of reps all over the world. Right, I see. And in terms of the US, I saw that Robert Downey Jr. is uh, a patron of Kirk and Kirk. Yeah. When did you find out about that? Uh, we got uh, some notification from his stylist uh, back in, it was in December. And it was just before he was going out to promote the Doolittle film. Mm. So his stylist wrote to us and just said, he's a big fan of your glasses. And I think you're going to see him wearing a few pairs in the very near future. And he, he was amazing. I mean, he must've, I think he had about eight different pairs that he wore on different occasions for different things. Um, and in, in the way that I was describing before that, you know, he's always in an ebullient mood and he's always, you know, really upbeat and everything else, but the different glasses created entirely different looks each time. It was absolutely amazing. Um, we have the relationships that we have with celebrities are, um, really interesting. I mean, we, we never, we have never, and we will never pay a celebrity to wear our glasses. That's, uh, I find that totally crass. Mm. And I think that it shows, you know, it shows every time when someone is paid to wear a product. And I don't like that. You know, if you're wearing glasses and they're not right on you, they're not natural on you, you're not enjoying wearing them. It's very, very visible. But you know, I mean, there are, some cracking people out there right now wearing our glasses very, very, very visibly and very clearly. Um, I, Nicholas Pinnock, uh, who was just in for life on the new ABC program, British actor over in the States, he's been wearing our glasses a lot and he just looks amazing in them, really comfortable. And that, that's, the, that's the secret. It's about being comfortable. Yeah. Well, I mean, is there anybody else out there that you'd go, oh, I would just love to get the glasses on this guy or this lady? Well, yeah, no, there were. <laughs> There are lots of people and um, we kind of don't work that way. We'll wait for them to come to us. Sure. So I would never sort of like, you know, drop hints. But but yeah, there, there are lots of, of um, really great glasses wearers. I often think that it's nice to, to look at people who don't wear glasses now, mm. um, often because they don't really, they don't feel comfortable or they haven't seen anything that they want to wear. So I can give you another example as well, actually. Um, you've got... You, We've always had an issue getting onto uh, sports people, professional athletes, okay. um, because traditionally eyewear is kind of represented a weakness of health, if you like. It's a kind of a you know yeah. significant price. Uh, so it's been it's been difficult to do that. But so I don't know if you're into American football, but Jason Bell, who presents the the podcast, and I've seen I've seen Jason Bell. Uh, he started wearing our glasses recently, and and so. Having somebody in the world of sport who's visibly and confidently wearing great eyewear is such a great message to people. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'd never thought about that, to be honest with you. But 
I mean, yeah. outside of the world of snooker, so I grew up in 80s <laughs> snooker with, you know, it seemed like everybody else had a, a pair of glasses. Dennis Taylor, of course, would have the famous upside down ones. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Reardon would have jam jars. But I, I remember speaking to uh, Mark Webber. He was a Formula One driver, I think, at the time, but he just switched over to Le Mans. And he was getting to like the late 30s, so kind of the embers of his career, as it were. And I was saying, how much, you know, what's the lifespan or, you know, the, the expectancy? How much longer can you go on driving Formula One cars and, and racing? I mean, it's you're, you're in good nick, you're in good shape. Uh, he goes, well, you've only got a couple of years and then you have, you know, your eye starts to diminish. You only have to be off by a couple of millimeters on a turn. Yeah. Uh, and I said, so how's it working out for you? And then he just pulled out his pair of glasses and I thought you're, <laughs> and the very next week he retired. He made the <laughs> announcement. He, he didn't give me the scoop, but he kind of gave me the subliminal scoop by pulling out his glasses, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, that's no, true. Yeah. So, um, what can we expect from Kirk and Kirk next, Jason? Uh, any other co- collaborations or releases? What's what's down the pipe? Well, I think I think the. I mean, we're having conversations about collaborations, and they're always very interesting because they're not necessarily with fashion people. Um, it's about working with like-minded brands. So. Um, I mean, we had a great collaboration with John Smedley um, a little while back. Um, oh, really? That, yeah, and, and that's fashion. And, and Ian McLean down there, the director. He's, he's a really Say that nice again, guy. I'm sorry? Um, Ian McLean, the yeah. managing director. Yeah, yeah, really nice guy. Oh. Fantastic brands, um, great people, mm. and, that, and that was a, a lovely association. And we were in conversations with other people, but clearly the, the coronavirus conversation kind of takes precedence at the moment, mm. so it's difficult for people to make commitments. But there will be some uh, – I mean, we're constantly working on our own new product. We have releases which we've actually got and are in stock for the autumn as well. Um, big new sunglass collection coming out later on. Um, lots of things happening, but – you know, our, our role is to inspire and excite through eyewear. And we will continue to do that. We'll continue to surprise people with, with what people what you can actually wear and how you can feel when you wear glasses. That's what we're after. Excellent. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking me through the journey of Kirk and Kirk. Uh, I encourage everyone to have a look on the website and check out these glasses. And, uh, and also follow on the social on the Instagram and the Twitter and just take a look at what you guys are doing over there. Uh, thanks so much, Jason. Thank you for having me. It's brilliant. Nice to meet you. Peace Excellent. out. You too. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye. Jason Kirk there. Thank you, Jason. Make sure you're checking out the website, kirkandkirk.com. Take a look at them glasses, man. They're pretty cool. And look, if they're cool enough for Robert Downey Jr., <laughs> be cool enough for you. That's it from me. Thank you all for listening. Again, the show notes will be over on menswearstyle.co.uk. I'll be back for another interview soon enough. In the meantime, remember, it's only fashion people and you're never fully dressed without a smile.